Welcome to the Way of Crypto podcast, your best daily news source covering everything happening in the crypto and Bitcoin space every single weekday morning. We go over market news, price action, and of course, all the drama happening in crypto every single day. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and do that as a general supporter at three bucks a month. Or if you want to take it up a notch, you can contribute to the show with 10 bucks a month. This allows you to not only contribute to the show financially, but also with show content as well as it enables you to ask any question you want, hopefully about crypto. But if not, I'm probably going to answer it anyway. And we'll go over all those answers every single Friday. However, the best way to support the show is simply to subscribe and give us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can do this on Spotify and Apple and all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Subscribe, give us a review. That's the best way to support the show. Finally, if you want to take your keys into your own hands, you can purchase a Ledger device through the link in the description. This ensures you're purchasing the device through the Ledger website and it has not been tampered with by a third party like what can happen if you purchase through Amazon or eBay or a third party seller. You never know if your device has been tampered with. Uh, so use the link in the description. It ensures you're purchasing through Ledger and also 10% of that purchase will go to support the way of crypto at no extra cost to you. If you want to reach out to me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Way of Cryptocast, on TikTok at Way of Crypto. But the best way is to go to the website www.thewayofcrypto.com. There's an email link there. You can fill it out. Let me know your questions, comments, and concerns, and I'll get back to you. There's also an RSS link on the website if you run your own podcast server and you want to subscribe through that RSS link. You can do that. Let's get into the news. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Way of Crypto podcast. We have literally a ton of news to go over. Security Exchange Commission stuff, some Jerome Powell stuff. He'll be speaking today. I think the market is kind of waiting on his words. Uh, currently, Bitcoin's looking okay. I'm recording this podcast August 26th at 9.47 a.m. So the markets are open. Usually we record after they've closed. Right now, Bitcoin's up about a half a percentage at $21,734. Uh, Tesla stock split kind of scared me. I forgot the stock split was happening. So uh, yesterday, I had a look at my portfolio, uh, just at the price of Tesla, not the, the value. And I was like, whoa, Tesla dropped by like 70%. What happened? And then, uh, yeah, my memory triggered there. So that's pretty big news on the stock side, I think. And Bitcoin news, relevant a little bit as well, because they still, uh, even though they're not, uh, Elon isn't completely orange-pilled at this time. He holds more Bitcoin than most of us will ever hold in our lives. Let's get right into it this morning. First, we're going to have a look at the Fear and Greed Index, currently sitting at 27. Yesterday, we were at a 25. Last week, a 33. About two weeks ago, we were almost at neutral into that 40 zone, and last month, a 28. Uh, so we are still fearful as a market. I think that's pretty obvious and probably obvious within your own sentiment as well. Bitcoin's sitting at 21700 bucks around there, pretty flat on the 24-hour, up about 1% on the 7-day. Ethereum's at 1682 down 1.11% on the 24, pretty flat on the 7-day. BNB's at 295 creeping in on 300 bucks. can't quite hit it at uh, in the red at one. 0.37%, but it's up about 6% on the seven-day. XRP is at 35 cents, 
up 3% on the 24, up 6% on the seven-day. Uh, maybe someone knows something about the court case that we don't know here. Cardano, I don't know why else XRP would be going up. Uh, Cardano, ADA, up 2% on the 24, up about 2% on the seven-day as well. Solana's up 35 bucks, down 2% on the 24, down 4% on the seven-day. Dogecoin's at $0.06. Cents. Uh, down around 1% on the 24 and pretty flat on the seven day. Polkadot is at $7.57 flat on the 24, up about 1% on the seven day. Shiba is down 5% on the 24, up 3% on the seven day. Matic, 83 cents, up 2% on the 24 and about 7% on the seven day. Tron's at six cents, flat on the 24, flat on the seven day. Ethereum Classic is in the green a little bit here at $37.99 up. 4%-ish on the 24-hour and about 9% on the seven-day. Let's have a look and see what else we got here. Near near protocol, $4.36 flat on the 24, down 2% on the seven-day. Kronos token, I know a lot of you guys hold Crow still uh, at 13 cents flat on the 24, up about 4% on the seven-day. Monero is at 154 bucks, up 2% on the... Never mind, it just rolled back there. Flat on the 24, up 2% on the seven day. And I think we're gonna wrap it there. Filecoin, this is kind of an interesting one uh, that we haven't talked about. I don't talk about projects specifically per se, unless they are in the news for some reason. Uh, however, have a look at Filecoin. It kind of looks interesting to me uh, at this point. Uh, currently sitting at six bucks and 23 cents, down 2.2% on the 24, and down about 7% on the seven day. So after that little sip of coffee here, we're going to get right into the news. There is a signal that the Bitcoin chart has produced that in the past has led to a massive rally. This is an article from CNBC. I normally don't like to use mainstream media as a news source for the podcast. However, when they're dishing out a little bit of hope in a bull market, I will go for it. So this is CNBC. The headline or title is uh, a closely watched Bitcoin metric is flashing a buy signal that has historically led to huge gains. So this article was published yesterday uh, in the afternoon yesterday here. And uh, we'll go through the key points here. Bitcoin could be poised for outsized gains if recent technical signals regarding mining hash rate are to to be believed. Hash rate studied in various ways is used by crypto investors to try to figure out when the market might bottom. One indicator known as hash ribbons recently flashed a buy signal, according to the analyst. That's the big one there. Bitcoin could be poised for outsized gains if recent technical signals are to be believed. Investors have been searching for a bottom to Bitcoin since the cryptocurrency lost more than 60% of its value from an all-time high from nearly 69,000. Remember that? The good old days last year. In uh, It hit in November. Nearly $2 trillion has been wiped off the entire crypto market in recent months. They're referring to the market cap, of course. Measure of activity of Bitcoin miners could give investors a clue as to where the digital currency is headed next. I've heard a lot about this. Bitcoin price follows the hash rate. Uh, I have not found this to be true at all. I know a lot of people say this over and over again. However, uh, just pay attention to things yourself. I haven't followed. I haven't found this to be true. Yeah, maybe in a bull market, if that hash rate goes up, the price goes up, but a lot lot of indicators affect price action in a bull market. Positive news can send uh, just a massive rally in a bull market. Bear market's a little different. It takes a little more to get that price moving. Uh, during market slumps, a depressed Bitcoin, Bitcoin price can make it unprofitable for many miners to continue operations. We know that. Uh, here's the hash rate and the buy signal here. Uh, following on from this, Charles Edwards 
founder of the quantitative crypto fund Caprioli Investments came up with the idea of hash ribbons in 2019 to identify buying opportunities for Bitcoin. When the 30-day moving average for hash rate dips below the 30-day moving average, this is called a bearish cross, a signal that miners are shutting down machines. Usually selling is associated with these events. As more miners are taken out of the market, the difficulty of mining Bitcoin reduces because there is less competition. Because of the reduced competition, more miners may re-enter the market and a recovery may have, may occur. Uh, there's a lot of maze in here, isn't there? These capitulations are painful events for miners within the ecosystem. Yes, of course they are. Uh, they don't want to sell Bitcoin. They want to hold their Bitcoin and take loans against it and uh, increase their profitability through buying more stuff to mine Bitcoin with. They don't. Bitcoin miners don't want to sell Bitcoin. Uh, and that makes sense because you don't either. And because uh, you know how Rare it is, how it goes up in value over time. Bitcoin miners are thinking the same thing. They don't want to sell their Bitcoin either. Uh, so we got a little bit of drama here. Now, BitBoy Crypto has dropped his defamation suit against Atozi after backlash. So most of this went down on Twitter between BitBoy and I don't think Atozi between them two specifically. Most of it uh, I saw between uh, I would say BitBoy's audience or uh, his followers on on Twitter. I have no opinion on. Uh, I'm not taking sides in this article whatsoever. I actually kind of like uh, like BitBoy Crypto. Believe it or not, maybe I'm a, a minority, but the guy does have a huge audience, and he is right some of the time, uh, a good percentage of the time here. Anyways, definition defamation lawsuit may have backfired for uh bit boy even before it actually hit the courtroom so i think people are just kind of upset that he is suing a fellow content creator and uh the big news that happened and i don't know if this article is going to talk about it or not probably will deep inside here but uh yeah there we go so he had a donation uh a tozy people were started to donate donate to his legal fund and uh somebody donated a hundred thousand bucks he raised quite a bit of money raised another fifty three thousand from gofundme uh eighteen hundred dollars in bitcoin twenty one thousand dollars in ethereum ten thousand dollars in usdt so atozi has raised a ton of money to fight bitboy crypto in this lawsuit and i think uh Ben Armstrong kind of saw that and realized the sentiment for this case. Maybe his audience doesn't really have the stomach for him suing another content creator and dropped it. And uh, I guess there's lessons to be learned for all of us here, I guess, is, uh, yeah, people are going to talk bad about you. Sometimes could happen to me. I have a podcast. I'm a public figure uh, at this point with a small audience. And, uh, yeah, somebody could call me a shill or something like that on Twitter and, uh, I don't really care too much what other people say or think, um, so I can't see myself suing anyone in the future. Uh, however, yeah, not everyone. Everyone has different levels of, uh, I guess, the abuse they're willing to take, right? And uh, Bitboy is a probably the biggest figure in crypto on social media at the moment. Uh, I would say that's a pretty safe bet, anyways. And uh, someone says something negative about him, yeah, it can affect his business. So I, I get the thought process behind him wanting to sue a Tozy for defamation. I get it. Um, however, you're opening yourself up to uh, half the amount of criticism when you're suing someone that's a lot smaller than you are. I think uh, it would have been a little different. Say he would have went after some kind of mainstream media news agency that was bigger than him. His size are bigger. Uh, I think that's important. When you're going after a little guy, you kind of got to let these little guys trash talk you. Um, 
because going after the little guy never looks good in the eyes of the public. And that's what we've seen with all this money generated and donated to Atozi over the last little bit here. Um, some news, this is pulled from the uh, Reddit cryptocurrency forum. And uh, I read a little bit about this and I remember watching something during the World Economic Forum in Davos, uh, the meeting that happened, I forget what month that was, maybe April. But uh, XRP was was there, present, and participating in all these events with all these World Economic Forum members. So we're going to get into the article here uh, a little bit. Reports came out yesterday on August 24, 2022. So this was written yesterday, obviously, that the WEF official website is listing Ripple as an official partner of the organization. Ripple is dedicated to creating powerful gains in the financial efficiency, equity, and inclusion. This is all from the WEF website. The WEF further states Ripple is developing and enabling future use cases that catalyze the new digital digital economy, governments, businesses, and consumers. So we kind of knew, I guess if you're a Ripple holder and you've done your research, you know that uh, Ripple wants to be kind of the broker between the bank and the little guy. That's, that's, their, uh, that's where they see themselves in this crypto space. So it's no surprise that they're partnering with WEF considering that's the banks, right? Uh, not only is Ripple displayed on the WEF website, but they are also officially on the partner list. This does not come as a surprise because Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse spoke at the WEF 2022. Yeah, like I just said here, uh, nothing but shocking developments coming from Ripple team and the uh, XRP ecosystem. Yeah, so on the, I believe it was the last podcast we did, actually I talked about uh, if you're an XRP holder and you've kind of been holding through this storm um, and uh, you didn't know these, the people that were on the board are the people that you were buying into when you bought into uh, XRP and Ripple and you don't want to hold it anymore, but you feel like you're forced to hold it because uh, it's just lost so much value. Uh, don't forget the whole market is low right now and uh, yeah you may lose a little bit on a trade but you don't have to hold xrp you can put your uh put your hard-earned invested money into a faster horse here that has uh, maybe the same values that you do there's lots of different projects in the space yeah bitcoin uh that's a good one to start with and they are not down as much as ripple so if you're making a direct trade uh as far and you bought ripple that's all-time high forget what it is now 270 something like that if you bought Ripple as all-time high, yeah, you're going to lose money on the trade into Bitcoin. However, you may be holding a faster horse if things take off, and at least at that point, you're investing in a project uh, with some val- some positive values. And uh, we talked talked about uh, Brad Garlinghouse and uh, his COO. I forget his name. I can't think of it at this moment in time. And how they have lashed out at projects like Ethereum. Uh, he was battling uh, and still is, I believe, as of yesterday anyway, anyways, uh, calling out Ethereum for different nonsensical things. XRP has launched campaigns against proof of work. Uh, so they've actually invested money trying to damage proof of work in Bitcoin. The Bitcoin's the only truly decentralized cryptocurrency we have. Uh, the only decentralized asset, hard asset we have to invest in in the world at this point and he's trying to take it down and I just don't have uh, I don't agree with anything that XRP stands for at this point uh, there's no way I put my money behind it and if you have money in there I'm not judging you I don't care how people what they invest in particularly uh, I want to see people make good on their investments of course and as far as a moral case for investments, uh, I don't believe that you necessarily have to have them. I like to have them for myself. I don't believe that you have to have them, though. Um, 
But if you want to get out of XRP, you can get out of XRP and go into another project. And uh, that project may even be a faster horse because I think XRP, uh, I don't see at this point uh, a real good future use case for it. Uh, I don't. I think it's going to pump when this uh, court case with the Security Exchange Commission ends. However, I think all crypto is going to pump from that. And yeah, you may miss a little bit of gains. Uh, your crypto project of your choosing, should you choose to leave XRP, may not pump as much as XRP. You may lose a little bit on that. Maybe not. It's hard to say. No one can predict the future. And um, at least you'll have a project that you can believe in if you... Uh, if you do decide to move out of it here, I, I don't see anyone having conviction in XRP anymore after uh, this last little bit of time here. Uh, okay, moving on. The Fed wants to replace. This article could be a comedy story, I guess, here. The Fed wants to replace private cryptocurrencies with its own. This is an article from The Hill. Let's get into it together here. The Federal Reserve's academic publication and statements make it apparent it intends to expand its regulatory authority over stablecoins. We all know this. The concentration of the power at the Fed regulates accountability to Congress and favors a framework where bureaucrats will substitute privately issued stablecoins with a central bank digital currency, CBDC, run by the federal government. So there's been a lot of talk over the last little bit how USDC can be that CBDC that the U.S. government wants. There's a people suggesting, including myself, that there's a real good chance it actually will be that CBDC. However, they have made it clear here they want to create their own digital currency. And uh, this is, at this moment in time, non-consequential because it's just a wish the Fed has. And uh, fortunately for us, governments have a real hard time of doing anything correctly and efficiently. So I do think this is a ways off, and I do think it's not going to be uh, very functional at the time they want it to as well, because uh, if you look at the history of government projects and things like this in every government, not just the U.S. government, it is always efficiency is terrible, uh, and uh, the easeability and way it integrates into our lives never quite goes as planned they can't even build a website, right? So I can't see them building a CBDC anytime in the near future, however they want to. So that is something to keep in mind here. Uh, so Bitcoin's price has tapped 21.3K ahead of the Fed chair. Uh, the Fed chair, Powell Jackson, whole speech. So right now, Bitcoin is way above that. This article, oh, not way above that. I actually had a little dip there to 21,500 bucks or so. Uh, but Jerome, Spow Jerome Powell, not Spowell, Jerome Powell is speaking today. Uh, and we're going to get into this article, see if we can get a time here. I haven't actually looked that up yet. Uh, however, there is kind of a sentiment that people have not heard enough from the Federal Reserve this month because we've had no interest rate hike or anything like that. No real meeting, um, no real meeting drop in all of August. And people are getting a little antsy and the prices, uh, price action of all assets is starting to weaken a little bit because we haven't heard enough. I guess people consider Jerome Powell to be their fearless leader and investment uh, investment counselor, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word here. Uh, however, people want to hear him speak. Uh, data from Cointelegraph's Market Pro and TradingView showed BTC USD dipping to 21,332 on Bitstamp ahead of the fresh commentary from Jerome Powell chair of the United States Federal Reserve, part of Fed Jackson's whole annual synopsum. Powell was set to deliver a speech on the day that spectators hoped would provide new cues on the economy policy going forward. So people are hoping for 
uh, to read into all the little itty-bitty things Jerome Powell says here. Uh, they'll read into his tone, uh, whether his tone is hawkish or dovish, what words he uses uh, in between the big important ones. They're going to dig into this speech with a fine-tooth comb and try and interpret everything they can out of it to decide where they put their money in. Uh, for me, I just decide to dollar cost average whether that price is up or down. I don't really care what Jerome Powell says. I know where Bitcoin's going and I pick other projects in the crypto space um, as speculative assets. I think there's a lot of use case for a lot of different projects in the space. I don't think that one is going to necessarily win. If you look at the internet, there's lots of winners that came out of uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. There's lots of winners in the internet space. I think crypto is going to be something pretty similar here. Uh, and uh, just kind of flicking through this article, I'll see if we have a time for the Jerome Powell speech. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up Google once. I'm going to pause this podcast one moment here. All right, I'm back. So the speech actually started 10 minutes ago. It's 10, 10 a.m. right now. The speech actually started at 10 a.m. Uh, so I am not going to go through that. And we're going to cover it. I'm going to do a weekend show because I missed Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, so we're going to do Saturday, Sunday shows. So I'll cover what's going on in his speech tomorrow. However, uh, having a look at the market here, we've experienced a dip since he started talking. First, a big, uh, well, I shouldn't say big, a candle of about a positive and positive price action at about uh, twenty one seven hundred, and then a little decline there down to twenty one five hundred. So, uh, whether people liked what he said or not, the speech is currently done. I believe uh, looks like the live stream is shut down. So we're going to talk about that. We'll watch it. See how people react, watch how people react because uh, the markets are neurotic and it's hard. You're not going to react the same way unless you're neurotic also. Uh, so we have to watch and see how this plays out over today and then we'll dig into it tomorrow a little bit. Um, yeah, so we have another stablecoin that has lost its peg. Uh, waves backed stablecoin USDN breaks peg amid a protocol upgrade. Uh, another algorithmic stablecoin. Uh, I think they have to change the name of anything algorithmic to not a stablecoin. Uh, yeah, sure, some may kind of maintain a price uh, maintain a price better than uh, your normal crypto project or your Bitcoin project. Uh, however, they are not stable. So I think stablecoin needs to be removed from this. If they just with, went with algorithmic coin, uh, maybe that would give us a little more confidence in them yeah they may not stay pegged to the usd maybe they'll drop to 70 cents 80 cents 90 cents however they're not going to drop to 10 cents or five cents they but they uh, having maintained their peg to the us dollar is clearly not working here as the community tries to navigate the bear market and recover from the onslaught brought about by stablecoin incidents like the terror crash and other algorithmic stablecoins show signs of struggle as it falls below its us dollar peg so we've had fear of this happening to another stablecoin, algorithmic stablecoin to be specific. It has almost happened a bunch of times over the last month or so, and uh, it has today. So uh, keep in mind, stay out of USDN because uh, that is Wavesback's sta algorithmic stablecoin, and it is not so stable. Uh, still waiting here. The SEC has delayed Van Eyck's third Bitcoin spot ETF application. So they've delayed this for 45 days. Uh, Venek has dropped another application for a spot Bitcoin ETF. Every time this happens, all eyes are on because I think a lot of people are expecting that a 
a spot ETF is going to be approved sometime this year, myself included. I think it's going to be approved in 2022. I don't think it being delayed is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I was kind of expecting, to be honest, uh, Square's ETF to be approved uh, just because of all the uh, all the work they put in. I think they put out that petition. It was signed by a ton of people, over 100,000 if I'm remembering correctly, but don't quote me because that was quite a while ago now. Uh, but uh, they really put in, a, Jack Dorsey put in a lot of effort to try and get that Bitcoin spot ETF approved. And I thought that was going to be the one. And it wasn't, and they are now trying, uh, I believe, uh, I haven't heard anything about this in a while, but they did take the Security Exchange Commission, or at least open up the potential to for litigation to get that spot Bitcoin ETF approved. So they have this uh, Van Eck one now that they've delayed with a current lawsuit, I believe, happening against them for denying the last spot Bitcoin ETF. So things are getting interesting. I do think it's only a matter of time before one gets approved. Uh, we're going to kind of keep up with the nft stuff we have going on here so bendow this is the uh the lending protocol the nft lending protocol that was on the verge of having to liquidate some board ape uh nfts this was a few days ago here there's a little bit of news to update this they passed some emergency changes amid these liquidations nft lending protocols relax bidding requirements the bear market shows no mercy to products developed with up only mechanics oh we love up only mechanics don't we in crypto last week it came to light that four board ape yacht club nfts were up for liquidation and a major stress test for the digital asset that were once worth over 400,000 k uh, that wasn't that long ago. That was this year. Users borrowed Ether against their board apes using a protocol protocol called BenDAO, uh, which facilitates NFT-backed lending as the value of the NFTs or the apes fell. The ratio of debt borrowed against the value grew to the point that board apes, as well as ten of mute tens of mutant apes, all of are still worth over ten thousand dollars, became eligible for liquidation. Sorry about my reading here. I'm stumbling a little bit. Uh, now the Bendo community has passed a proposal to tweak the levels at which underwater loans would be liquidated if passed with 90% of voters in favor. This is one of the benefits of having a DAO. Uh, if you're a token holder, you get a vote. Uh, Bendo's original design doesn't allow for liqu liquidations if the highest bid hits below 95% of the floor price of the NFT collection. This put lenders who deposited ETH into Bandao in a position where they couldn't recoup any of the ETH since they were no acceptable bids. The proposal does away with the limiting feature, which only allows for bids within 95% of OpenSea's floor. So does it? Yeah, there we go. Liquidation ratio. This is what I was interested in more so than the bidding. Also, as part of the new proposal, Bandao will gradually wind down the 90% liquidation ratio to 85% on August 30th at its reduced and reduce it further by 5% every week until it hits 70% on September 20th. This frees up the liquidation process, allowing people to bid much lower than 90% of the floor price. Yeah, okay, so um, the lesson here to be learned, I don't have a board API up close, so I didn't learn any lesson from this. However, it is interesting. The idea of using your NFTs as collateral to take out loans, I find super interesting. Technically, they are just JPEGs of Bored Ape. And if you can borrow uh, hundreds of thousand dollars against your JPEG, uh, I don't know. Is it, uh, is it a bad thing? Yes, you get liquidated. You still have the asset, the stuff you borrowed, the asset you borrowed against your NFT. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's interesting, though. 
It is interesting and um, DeFi. It's cool. DeFi. This is why I think uh, the future is in DeFi. It's pretty neat. It allows people to do things. And if you want to put your NFT up and borrow against it, you should be allowed to do that. It's your NFT. It's your possession. You should be allowed to borrow against it. So I think it's kind of cool. To new cash developer Pertsev. I hope I'm saying his name wrong. If I'm not, I apologize. Has been ordered to remain in custody for another 90 days. So this article came out yesterday. Uh, Dutch, Dutch judge denies bail request for the Tenido Cash developer. We still haven't heard whether he has committed any crime other than being a developer of open source software. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not apparently... Uh, it's not clear at this time whether he has been charged with any other crimes other than being a developer for open source software, which I've made my feelings clear on. I think that's a crime against humanity to arrest an open source developer because of what people have done with that software. The same case could be made for anyone who's worked on on any operating system in existence. Uh, yeah, it's just a, the, the, the slope, the slippery slope that it entails going after developers is just crazy, I think. And uh should be a crime uh, and uh, yeah so I'm not going to add anything I've already talked about this I don't like what's happening here however we don't know the full story so it's hard to uh, really it's hard to really have an opinion of what's going on because we just don't know his uh, his partner has come on and he openly spoke his family has spoken out against this uh, this arrest as you can imagine uh, let's dig in a little more here Coindace reports that uh, Persev was first brought before the judge on August 12th, who said that he should be held in custody for an initial period of two weeks. At a closed-door hearing on August 24th, Persev's lawyer applied for bail. The court rejected the request for bail and set a 90-day deadline for any public hearing to take place. Since the sanctions on Tornado Cash were first announced, an online movement has risen in its defense. Many Twitter users are using the Tornado Cash logo on their profile pictures to show support for this arrested developer. The OFAC is a strict liability, is strict liability, and that's willful violation. So you are talking about a maximum of 30 years in jail and millions of dollars of fine, Quinn Center Director. I don't know what they're referring to here. I guess they're referring to if you're continuing to allow uh, the use of wallets that are linked to Tornado Cash in that little uh, in that little quote there. Um, however, arresting a developer who, who may not have committed any crime on paper, it seems like they're like inventing crimes now. Uh, there's nothing, there's no crime against developing any kind of software, including encryption software, coin mixers and all that kind of stuff. None of it is legal to be a developer. Uh, it may be illegal in certain countries to use it for certain purposes like money laundering. However, if I want to mix my Ethereum in Tornado Cash, I'm not committing any crime. I'm just mixing it through uh, Tornado Cash for privacy purposes. There's no crime taking place. I'm not laundering money. So you shouldn't be sanctioned from using this either. And uh, that, that's how I feel about it. Anyways, before I go off on a rant here, because we're already... Uh, we're already running a little late and because uh, we just had so much to cover today. There's uh, another story I want to cover, though, before uh, leaving. There's actually maybe two here. No, there's just one. One big one because uh, this is a good one. I want to leave this podcast on a positive note. Tether will not preemptively freeze sanctioned addresses. Unlike USDC, we've talked about the difference between USDC and Tether, how USDC did block sanctioned assets uh, or I should say blocked assets that were involved in Tornado Cash. 
they froze. Those assets, Tether will not do this. USDT issuer will act on specific requests from law enforcement, so they must bring a warrant uh, for something specific. However, they will not freeze these assets on a blanket uh, blanket clause like USDC did. Really positive news here for stable coins. And I think I just found my new favorite stable coin. Yeah, there's some drama going on with Tether. Uh, we don't know with whether they're actually backed by enough assets to keep their uh, keep a Tether token pegged to the US dollar. However, it's old. Its performance has been good so far. It almost lost its peg. I remember hearing about that story when USDC or USDT um, or UST, I should say, Terra Luna's algorithmic stablecoin collapsed. There was talk about Tether losing its peg as well. However, I didn't see that happen. It didn't. Uh, so I don't know exactly what happened there, where that story was coming from. It may have just been FUD and uh, rumors as well. They didn't lose their peg. They were fine. They haven't yet. And uh, they are appear to be pro privacy at this point. I guess that's a strong word for it. However, uh, they are not just going to, um, they're not going to take protocols or not going to take addresses that were involved in Tornado Cash and just automatically freeze all their assets. They're going to wait for specific requests uh, or warrants through a law enforcement agency, which is reasonable because there is still illegal activity and hacking and all that kind of stuff that happens on these platforms and Tornado Cash for sure. It is used by hackers, no question about that. However, uh, the protocol and the developer can't be held responsible for the actions taken by its users. Uh, you could also drink and drive in a car, right? But the car Ford is never gonna be sued for your choice to drink and drive. I think it falls into that category of things. Anyways, we're gonna wrap up today's show. We went a little bit late, not too bad, uh, about a half hour or so. We went about three or four minutes late. However, we may start expanding the time I give this podcast uh, because there's just so much going on in the crypto space right now. It's hard to cover in that 20-minute period now. And so I think the potential there is to expand into that 30 to 45-minute podcast. Uh, but time will follow. And if you have an opinion on this, uh, send me an email and let me know. Or you can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, so if you want to find me, you can dig through the show notes there. You can go to thewayofcrypto.com. I also have a brand new Web3 uh, website hosted by Unstoppable Domains that you can visit if you have a Web3-capable browser, only being Brave and Opera. At this point, if uh, you don't have a Web3 capable, capable browser, you need the Unstoppable Domains plugin. Uh, however, I don't see why anyone wouldn't use Brave at this time anyway. It uh, has all the functionality of Chrome with all the, the best privacy features available out of any browser going, and it has Web3 support. So if you want to check that out, you can go to thewayofcrypto.crypto and contact me and get on my Twitter through there as well. If you want to support the show, you can uh, support us on Patreon. I'm probably going to move to some crypto-centric way that you can support the show, but for now, you can do that on Patreon at three bucks a month, $10 a month. You can also buy a Ledger hard wallet through the link in the description. We'll get 10% of that sale at no extra cost to you. Uh, yeah, so I think I covered it. And uh, if you want this show to increase its length, please send me an email and let me know. Uh, go to the way of crypto. There's an, .com. There's an email form there. You can uh, give me your opinion on that. Send it to me. And I'm probably going to 
kind of do what the majority of you want here as far as time and podcasts go. Thanks for listening. Oh, the most important thing, the best way you can support the show is by giving us a subscribe and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. That's the best way you can support us. And uh, yeah, I'm going to see you tomorrow for a Saturday show. Since we, less, we, since we missed Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to do a show Saturday, Sunday. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now.